There are men who think that a foggy Nelson is a professional wrestling maneuver. There are men who think that Dum Dum Dugan is served with sticky rice, scallion pancakes, and a banana leaf. And then there's Doug Bost and Adam Bernstein, two men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. With special guest grown-ass man, Klaus Jansen. two of our interview with Klaus Jansen, artist, inker, creator, wealthy young man about town. My daughter is 10 years old, and mm. when I told her that I was going to be talking to you, mm. and I told her what you do, she was like... So I get that, like, the penciler person um, does, like, says, like, oh, there, there's mountains here, and there's some triangles falling from the sky, and there's some clouds, and there's a girl here... Um, and then the colorist, like, colors it all in. But, like, what does the inker do? That's, uh, you know, as, you, as I'm sure you know, that's a tough uh, question. Uh, I, th I think that, um, you know, I think that an inker, you know, at a, at a very fundamental level, adds uh, form and volume, weight, texture, um, I think depth. There's only one artist that's been successful uh, without depth, and that's Charles Schultz. Um, there's there was no depth. Right. Yeah, there's no depth, and you know you always see uh, the doghouse. I was just thinking of that. It doesn't matter. That's right. That's yeah. right. You don't see it, you know, three quarters. You always see it flat, um, and you know, bless him. Charles Schultz was able to obviously make a great career out of it and uh, do very well. But I think it's important to realize that your job definition really does change depending on the pencils. You know, it goes back to the, and I'm babbling, but you know, it is a podcast. <laughs> uh, I go back to the, uh, you know, the infamous, uh, uh, oh, but you're a tracer routine, right? Uh, from the Kevin Smith movie. Um, and actually, that did uh, Inkers a world, uh, 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 did a, a favor to Inkers because it was like out there and it was discussed. You know, are you a tracer or are you actually a creative person? Here's, here's my spiel. Everybody knows Jack Kirby's work. Uh, everybody knows uh, who inked Jack Kirby. You can take um, uh, Joe Sinnott and you can take Frank Giacoya and you can take Chick Stone, you know, the three guys sure. who probably inked him the most. Each one of those guys never went into the project or into uh, inking Jack Kirby thinking that I'm going to change Jack Kirby, Mike Royer. Nobody went into that, into uh, uh, working with Jack thinking I I'm changing Jack Kirby because you know why? You don't need to change Jack Kirby. Right. But if you put those pages side by side, each one of those inkers left their own imprint on it. You can't get away from leaving some of your stink 
on the pencils. Ah, you ah. can't. It's not possible. And so the whole idea of uh, you know inkers being tracers is ludicrous. Of course. Because you can't trace. It's not possible. And Kirby and Sinnott and Royer and Chick Stone and Frank Giacoya, I think, are is a really good example of that. You're not going to be able to make Jack Kirby look the same if you have other inkers inking. By the way, I think that Joe Sinnott is. Uh, um, I don't know if he's an underrated inker. I don't know if he's uh, you know recognized, but I, I think that he was probably the best inker the business has ever had. Um, and I and I, and I and I based this on, you know, growing up reading Joe Sinnott and and look, Dick Giordano was my mentor and I, I learned so much from him and Tom Palmer I've stolen you know half of what Tom Palmer has done uh, right. you know to make my own career, but I think you know Joe Sinnott is one of those guys who has never turned in a shitty job, and we all have, Dick has, uh, you know I have, you know Tom Palmer has. You know, everybody that I can think of has turned in, you know, a crappy job at least once in their life. Joe never did. Uh, it was always completely professional and uh, on the mark. Uh, so he's quite amazing. You know, speaking of people that I uh, I like to ink, Gil uh, Kane is my favorite uh, American uh, uh, penciler. Uh, artist, mm. um, and I the the second or third job I ever did when I was starting out at Marvel doing Black Panther, uh, Gil did a fill-in issue, and uh, it completely freaked me out. Um, <laughs> and then I worked out with him a little bit on Daredevil and a little bit on on uh, Defenders Annual. I think we did two Defenders Annuals, and uh, so off and on through the years. And I never felt that I got him right until the very, very last time that I inked him, uh, which was a Green Lantern Adam team up that he did, which was actually the very last job that he penciled before he passed away. Mm. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, and, and so you figure 40 years, a span of 40 years. And it really, I have to, I'll tell you, it haunted me uh, because I, I, I felt so frustrated that I wasn't able to ink him and do justice to him. But I got pretty damn close to I actually brought I a Gil Kane Daredevil that you did. This is, what issue is this now? This is Daredevil number 147. Yeah. So this is Gil Kane with you inking Gil Kane. What, do, do you look at it and say, oh, I, I didn't quite capture this in this before I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, very much very much so. I think that uh, you know the faces aren't you know the best inkers are uh, the reason why they're good inkers and and you, you you know you can say that about uh uh Dick Giordano and Tom Palmer and Joe Sinnott. The best uh, Wally Wood, uh, the best inkers are pencilers. And you you if if you don't know how to pencil you're not going to be able to get beyond a certain point in your inking right. um, because you have to uh, understand anatomy to actually interpret it. You, you, and this is another reason why you're not a tracer. Inkers are not tracers because you, you can take John Buscema's finished pencils, which were, you know, they were like Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, they were just amazing. 
And he came from that school, the Michelangelo kind of an, uh, anatomical studies and figure work. And you can trace it, but unless you understand it, it's not going to hit the level of John's pencils. And when you look at, you know, like this Daredevil from 147, um, I really started to learn how to pencil when I was working with Frank. So this was before Frank. And uh, you can see, you know, the faces weren't, you know, very, very uh, solid. Um, the line was probably too heavy, uh, which uh, it does strike me as that. Um, so there's, you know, there's problems. I mean, you can see some, there are some things in here that, you know, hearken to further down the road kind of uh, progress lighting and texture, you know, which has always been a, a, a um, concern of mine. Lighting. But I want to ask just you about lighting. That. Because it always has been a thing that I've noticed in your work. Always. There always seems to be a light source that is very clear. Like the light source in every panel is very clear and often very dramatic, like low level lighting. Like, are you really conscious of that when you're... Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, uh, certainly, you know, drama. Well, I mean, I think you're absolutely right uh, in terms of drama. But uh, if, you know, if you're inking, um, look, uh, you know, uh, you have to, uh, when you're approaching storytelling, uh, whether you're a penciler or whether you're inker, uh, an inker or, uh, or a writer for that matter, there has to be some organizing element. Um, there has to be something that pulls it all together. You can't just sit down and do whatever you want. You, you have to have something that hangs, uh, uh, where you can hang all the things uh, that you're trying to do uh, and, and make them hang together. And an example is, if you're gonna ink, what is the organizing principle that you're going to use? What could it possibly be? And it would be, to begin with, light. I think about that in, my, in terms of writing, too. Like, I'm a writer, and it's, it's not just about what you want to write. It's like, how do you put what you want to write in a context that other people can, right. can get into? How do you make it work? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in writing, it's, it's uh, interesting, too, because the, uh, say, the, one of the organizing principles of writing is a beginning and a middle and an end. And, you know, it sounds very simplistic, but it's the three-act structure. And, uh, you know, um, all three of us can sit down and talk about movies or comics or novels that have a three-act structure. So already, just, just to say that is an organizing principle. You know, mm -hmm. it needs to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And so you have a three-act structure, which goes back to the Greeks. And, uh, and then you add on top of that, you layer on top of that, but you need a foundation. You need something that will pull it together. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I love about um, teaching is that, uh, you know, you start at the beginning of the semester and the kids come in and they think, I can do anything I want, or I can do whatever I want, and I can do this, and I can get an A, you know. And I'm sorry, that's not the way it works, you know. It doesn't happen that way. Um, you, you, you need to learn rules, and you need to understand them before you can break them. And but I was, we were also <laughs> talking about, it's really hard to sustain 
in certain ways. You know, I think about, you know, he's a writer. He's constantly writing and doing this stuff. I'm a musician, always composing, doing these things. But I, I have to stop composing sometimes and start to learn things because I hit a wall, you know. And I think that's impressive about your career, oh, like, gosh. you know, that you're yeah. talking about that, but also that you've been able to do it. You know, I've, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you, you know, uh, thinking that or noticing it. And I, I, I really am very, you know, grateful uh, for that. But it, it, part of it is, uh, you know, I've always uh, thought that um, this was a long-distance marathon and not mm. a sprint. Uh, I've been very uh, conscious of planning and uh pushing the envelope, you know, doing Sacred Creatures with Pablo, uh, which is my, uh, our, our, my first creator-owned and, and his first creator-owned. You know, you're going into uncharted territory. You know, we started out talking about the learning curve involved in doing yeah. a creator-owned book. And if you're not, if you're not uh, look, one of the things I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you is that, that I harp on in my classes, look, if you're not doing something, you're doing nothing. You have to do something. You have to have an organizing principle. You have to have a three-act structure. You have to, you know, you have to uh, uh, push the envelope because otherwise you're just, you know, I mean, I quote Dylan, you know, if you're, those that are not those that are uh, not being busy being born, born are busy, busy dying, dying, you know. I mean, you just gotta keep on going, and 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 you know, with the and you know, I'll be the first one to tell you that, along with some judicious planning and some good choices that I've made, um, uh, I've been very lucky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if anybody, if, you know, if anybody asks me what's the secret to, to uh, a, a longevity or a career that, that has some legs to it, um, have more than one thing to offer. Uh, that's, you know, uh, I think I can write a little bit, I can pencil, I can ink, I can color. Um, you know, I can teach, and if one of those things dries up, you go to the next one. Yeah. Uh, but so even for a little while, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you pretend you've planned it all along that way. <laughs> <laughs> all right to look cool. Yeah. What do you think about how all these characters that we all grew up with are now like so prominent in movies and TV? Like Netflix, like is just like running with Daredevil and Iron Fist and all these things. You know, I wonder what do you think of it. Do you ever watch any of them, or do you check them out? Do you yeah, care? I've seen. I, you know, I've uh, people always ask if I've seen the uh, the the Daredevil stuff, obviously because it's so uh, you know close to what Frank and I were doing. And uh, I saw the first two episodes of the first season. I saw the first two episodes of the second season. And uh, I think maybe I saw one more the first season. Um, I, you know, my experience was this: that uh, you know, if we have uh, a couple minutes, uh, my experience was that uh, you know, I was sitting on my couch and and, and watching the first season of Daredevil, and uh, they got to a scene where they went to Josie's bar. Mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe it might be, maybe it was the third episode, something like that. And I'm watching it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking. Why is this so familiar? You know, I, I did I didn't know it was Josie's bar, but and and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and all of a sudden I see this the sign, Josie's bar from the inside, you know, flipped flip. And I thought it's familiar because 
we drew this. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, we drew. And, and so people ask, well, have you seen Daredevil? And, I, and I, I generally say to them, no. And then they say, why? Because, and I say, well, because I've seen it already. Yeah, you know, right. I've, I've already it's seen it. New and I, I got to tell you, seeing it on film is bizarre uh, because this was something that we had done 30, 40 years ago. It's like seeing a dream, you know, walking around, you know, your apartment or something. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you don't realize. It was, there's a moment there where reality kind of uh, bends a little bit. You know, look, it's great. You know, why not? You know, why not? It's great. But the thing I like the most about it is we still have the comics. And the comics remain untouched, regardless of what they do with it. Right at the end of our conversation with Klaus, there was one more thing that we needed to ask since we were there. What kind of stuff do you have on your walls? I was hoping that you could show us, like, what he do you He walked us back there? into his studio. It's a sunny office, Valuable artwork TV everywhere, lots of projects in midstream. What do you put up? Jack Kirby. Oh, it's Doctor As Doom. you go in, a huge original pencil of Dr. Doom. Oh, so there's more Kirby here. An Al Williams piece, Al Williamson, that he autographed for me and he sent oh, wow. me. And then uh, behind you are three pages of Daredevil, but that Frank and I did. Original black and whites from the 80s, framed. He doesn't even have the wall space to put them up. Oh, it's gorgeous. I recognize yeah. that. <laughs> These are amazing because they're sequential pages. They're three pages in a row. Here's the uh, some pages from Sacred Creatures. Uh, oh, my God, on. how great to see it as a, in its raw form. Wow. Yeah, those files are uh, full of stuff. You've got well, a whole wall. Floor-to-ceiling file drawers. But most of it is crap, so don't, you know, think there's like a gold mine in there. A caricature of Klaus by Marie Severin. And then, hanging right where he can always look up and see it from his work desk, a letter from the most beloved editor in comics. I love this Archie letter, Goodwin letter. A letter from Archie Goodwin uh, when I was feeling down. <laughs> I went into his office uh, one day and I was just feeling really crappy about the work that I was doing. And I thought, you know, I've got, I can't, I just, you know, I'm just garbage. And, uh, you know, he, he, I, I left the office and then a couple of minutes later, <clears throat> he comes running down the hallway <clears throat> behind me with this letter. He said, Klaus, Klaus, hold on. You know, he wanted to give it to me. I can read it. It says, Dear Klaus, just a short note to give you a bit of confidence. I personally rate you as one of the five, crossed out, six, crossed out, then 10 best inkers in comics business. I'm constantly amazed and delighted with the quality and quantity of working you consistently deliver to us despite the handicaps of tight deadlines and vague rush penciling. You are one of the mainstays of the Marvel inking finishing staff and a credit to your race. Yours truly, Archie Goodwin. Archie right is, you know, Archie was the most, uh, I think, the most loved man in comics. Uh, you know, this is my man cave. Right. This is my studio, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm here like, you know, 20 hours of the day. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so really much for talking to oh, us. You're welcome. It was fun. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, now get out. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going. Thanks again for talking with us, Klaus Jansen. DK3 wraps up very soon, and Sacred Creatures hits your comic book store this summer.